Dylan Mulvaney teams up with Kathy Griffin. A man in England pleads guilty to having sex with a cow. And Corrine Jean-Pierre cannot keep up with Joe Biden. It's time for my Losers of the Week. It's the last day of August, and what better way to close out another month with some true and committed losers? Let's just get right into it. First up is a duo of losers, the collaboration from hell, if you will. The video the folks at Bud Light are really hoping you don't see. Kathy Griffin and Dylan Mulvaney. Kathy Griffin, yes. what did we just do? We just had a salon for you. You were the guest of honor. Thank you. What is a salon? A salon is a dinner or lunch event where everybody sits around, no phones allowed. No phones. No um, side conversations. No side conversations. And we had to ask permission to go to the bathroom. I don't care for that typically, but this one time I did let you go. And we had some, I mean, a lot of came up. Rosie O'Donnell was here. Margaret Cho. Sia. And Rosie O'Donnell was there, too, as if it couldn't get any better, am I right? You know, that video comes after Dylan Mulvaney took home the trophy for breakout creator from the TikTok series Days of Girlhood at the Streamy Awards earlier this week. Tanking an iconic American brand is certainly an accomplishment, so take it away, Dill. And I look around this room, and I just see so many amazing allies that have platforms. And I think allyship right now needs to look differently, and you need to support trans people publicly and 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 I, and proudly thank you thank you thank you i'm gonna go have a beer and i love you <laughs> every time dylan mulvaney speaks bud light stock just goes down and down and down and down but congrats on your award dill and long live the patriarchy but on to loser two this week another sign of these strange times we are living in a man in England has pleaded guilty to having sex with a cow. Yeah, nothing surprises me these days. 25-year-old Liam Brown pled guilty this week to sexual penetration with a living animal. And what's worse, this wasn't a one-time deal, folks. Apparently, farmers had been suspecting someone was doing this to their cows and installed security cameras. They caught him red-handed, and DNA samples from that poor cow confirmed it. The story makes me physically ill for many reasons, including that if this happened in the U.S., he likely could have just said he identified as a cow and he would probably get an award for bravery or something, maybe a streamy award, who knows, but it's just gross. On to my final loser of the week, a repeat nominee, offender, and a liar, Corrine Jean-Pierre. So even CNN host Jake Tapper had to laugh at KJP when she said this. Watch. It is hard for us to keep up with this president uh, who is constantly, constantly working every day to get things done and making sure that we are delivering for the American people. And that's what, and I think that's what matters. <laughs> if anyone, and I mean anyone, has trouble keeping up with this, well, God help you. person who can't keep up with Joe is Diane Feinstein, and that's literally it. Those are my losers of the week. God save the queen. But hang on to your hats, folks, because I'm not done yet. There were so many losers this week, and the internet gifted us so much that I've brought in a special guest for a segment we'll call Losers Overtime. Joining me now is the host of Ungoverned, Sean Farash. All right, Sean, so we're going to go over some of the viral videos this week. 
because the internet just gifted us just so much. And I want to start off with somebody who is still running for president. No, it's not Vivek. No, it's not Chris Christie. It's Kanye West. Uh, Yeezus, I think he calls himself. But he took a little vacation, and we got to see a little bit more of Kanye than maybe we would have liked to have seen. Um, we have to blur it out for, for obvious reasons. But I'm wondering what you think of the rise, the fall, and then the continue fall, continued fall of Kanye West. Does he have your vote? <laughs> no, he doesn't have my vote. Um, I, I don't really. I, I never really liked the guy. I know he was kind of uh, somebody who started to come around a little, um, you know, a, a little uh, recently about with with his kind of turning towards conservatism because he was the same guy after Katrina said George Bush doesn't like black people on, right. on TV, um, and so he kind of started to come around and he attributed that to Candace Owens and then and then he just kept going and. Uh, there's, you know, clearly something up with the guy. He didn't have my vote for president, but I mean, free speech by all means, go ahead and do it as long as you're not breaking the law. Uh, but uh, it's been a while since we've even seen him. He had the dinner with Trump, and then there were other people who were there that probably shouldn't have been at the dinner. Yeah, and probably uh, yeah, probably a bad idea. If I was uh, Kanye or Donald Trump, I probably wouldn't want those people in my circle. Um, and that's why they're not in my circle. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, I, I the, not not. Not the guy that I'm pretty focused on right now with the 2024 election. Yeah, me either, but he's still running, so you got to give it to him. I mean, he's somebody who just keeps coming back, and the, the Internet still loves him, and now we've seen more of him than we need to. He did some other things that were caught on photos that we won't discuss, but, yeah, the guy's a mess. I want to move on to a second topic, and this one has become slightly controversial given Bidenomics and inflation and the, the state of our economy, right? And that is tipping. So I want to play this video. There's a pizza delivery driver who's pretty pissed off that he didn't get a tip. I want to play the video, and then I want to get your reaction on if tipping has gone too far. Let's take a look. Thank you. Thank you. Just for future reference, drivers live off of tips. If y'all don't tip, we don't make money. This is how we feed our families. So initial reactions to that. I mean, I would assume that you would normally tip a pizza delivery person, but now there's things like DoorDash and all that where you tip in the app, and it feels like the delivery and the tipping culture has kind of gotten out of hand. What do you think? Does this guy have a point? I think he has a point on, on principle, right? Tips, generally when you're at a bar, you're at a restaurant, the waiter, waitress, waiter, server, whomever it is, uh, you know, is usually working for a low wage and then making most of their money with tips and then you know like is it ethical to tip on the credit card because they take a portion of it away there's all those all those different debates I've heard about all of them um, I think he's got a point uh, if I was him I probably wouldn't have yelled at the guy I just gave my pizza to you know on especially with the door ring camera right there you know having it caught on camera knowing that's gonna go viral my biggest problem and I've seen this happen especially in airports now is your self checkouts are asking for tips yeah I think that's a little much what did you do I did your job Right, Walmart should pay me to check my groceries out. They're going to pay a cashier. I should get $13 an hour to shop there. Another thing that bothers me is just the spinning around of the iPad when you're getting anything. It's like, if you're doing your basic job and that's what you're getting paid for, do I have to tip you on top of that? I mean, when I leave here, I don't say like, hey, Kylie and Haley, uh, 20%. For me because I came to work today right you know so I think it's gotten a little out of hand but also I'm wondering these companies that are making so much money especially since COVID when deliveries went through the roof why are they not compensating their drivers more like why is it up to us to compensate the drivers on top of the tip on top of what we already paid on top of Bidenomics I feel like it's gone a little far maybe these companies could help their people out a little bit solid point I think it's a good point because you know, Uber Eats is extremely expensive. You know, you're better off driving to your local McDonald's or Pizza Hut or whatever it is you want to get and picking up the food yourself. If you want to avoid the tip, do the work. 
Uh, I always I always tip our Uber Eats drivers and anything like that if we're going to do that. Just I know they're living off of tips and times are tough. And they're tough for me too. They're tough for all of us. And it's kind of hard. Do you have the money? Do you not have the money? Um, but yeah, the companies, you know, now that now they're raking in, in all these profits, they should take care of their people a little better. And it might alleviate some of that. Uh, but I do generally think, look, if someone is serving you, you didn't leave the house to get your food. Tip them. But in this case, this guy flipping out, you know, he, he doesn't know he's not getting a tip. He might be getting a tip, like you said, through the app. So um, I think both are in the wrong. But uh, tipping culture, you get judged now whether you can tip. And it's like, well, you don't know what that person's financial situation is. So I think everyone needs to take a deep breath, calm down, uh, enjoy their... Maybe they're a little hangry. That could be what it is. Maybe they're a little hangry, and that's why they're uh, flipping out over their tips or the tipping culture in general. And uh, I'd actually like to see some anger on some of these delivery drivers and the Uber drivers and that, that they're now being taxed on their gig economy. I mm -hmm. mean, they never put this back on the Democrats who are actually the ones taking money out of their pockets because they got to tax everybody for everything. So I want to move on now, though, to what I think is a fantastic idea. There is an airline, a European airline, who is developing an adult-only section on the airplane. So mm. not only is this going to be an adult-only section, but it's going to be barricaded off from the rest of the Banshees with a wall and a curtain. Now, for me, I think, why did nobody think of this sooner? It costs $50 extra. That is it. I would pay three times that to get away from children on a plane. What are your thoughts? you think this is a good idea? Bring it universal? I think uh, walls are racist, and they shouldn't be doing that on airplanes. No, I'm just kidding. I think that's a fantastic idea. I don't know how many times I've been on an airplane, and you've got the screaming baby, and it always seems to be, you know, if I'm in 24F, it's in 24E, right? It's right next to me, screaming baby. Or you have, you know, I don't know, you have somebody on the plane that doesn't smell very good. Maybe they should be treated like a child. You know, you did you shower today? Something like that. It really bothers me. People on airplanes making all that noise. I wear headphones. They say it's noise canceling. I still hear every single noise in the plane. Um, the adult-only section kind of kind of sounds like it um, a little inappropriate, right? Could it be? You know, uh, <laughs> you know. You talk about there's certain clubs that people join on airlines. Now I don't know. I don't think that's what they're talking about. But um, you know, maybe keep the kid. It's kind of like there's the there's like the uh, the kids section of I, the kids menu, right? The kids right. menu. That's what the kids do. Keep them on a separate part of the plane. Let people have a nice relaxing flight. Maybe there's a party going on back there. I don't know. If there is, I'll definitely be paying the $50 extra. Although I don't know about drinking on planes with the turbulence and all that stuff. May not agree with the stomach, but cool idea. Um, and I'm happy that it's a company in Europe doing it and not, you know, a company in the United States doing it that happens to be owned by a conservative because they would, again, say that the wall is racist and that would end that great idea right, right, uh, right in its tracks. It would kill it. And I'll tell you this, if they try to bring back masks on airlines, we need a mask-only section so all these little granola nerds can wear their masks together and they can all sit together and, and be afraid of air together because I personally am not going to do it again. I don't know why we never had, like, an area of the plane for the masked people. Like, if you're scared, stay home. Right. Probably best option. I never really got that during COVID, and I want to get into that discussion a little bit. This isn't on my list, but I want to get your thoughts on it. So I never really understood why people who were so afraid of COVID that they come to the airport in plastic gloves and masks and all that, <laughs> I never really understand why they need to travel if they're that scared. You know, if you're that scared, wouldn't the best option just be to stay home? Yeah, that's stay home, save lives, right? right. I mean, when I lived in New York, um, I loved the lockdowns. I was still working. My job was considered essential and there was no traffic. The first time ever in the history of Long Island, there was no traffic on the roads. I said, this is great. By all means, keep staying home. Keep saving lives. Keep doing it. Um, these people who are going to the airport and in double mask, triple mask, gloves, you know, your full scuba suit head to toe. You've got the mask on, the oxygen. You're making sure you're not, you know, like the Taylor Lorenzes of the world. I'm yep. a disabled person. You know, all of these people. 
Uh, these are the same people who decided for 15 days to slow the spread it was appropriate to buy 48 rolls of toilet paper. And my right. thing at the time, it was all Monday morning quarterback. No, no, at the time I said, if you need 48 rolls of toilet paper, right? 48 rolls for two weeks, much bigger problems, I think, than COVID, I, I would say. Yeah. If you're going through that much toilet paper in, in two weeks. Um, if you just don't want to get sick and you think staying home works, fine, stay home. If you think the mask works, just like, you know, uh, maybe putting on sunscreen works. I put on sunscreen. Tommy Loren can still get sunburned if she's not wearing sunscreen. You know, I, I'm in the car with my seatbelt. We get into an accident. Anybody who's not wearing a seatbelt might be at risk of an injury, but I'm okay because I'm wearing mine. Same concept with masks, vaccines, all of that stuff. If you're wearing that mask and the mask is something that works, you say it works. Trust the science. Follow the doctors. You know, Fauci, he, he knows everything. He's experienced. He did great, even though he didn't do very well with AIDS back when he failed on that, and then he failed in COVID. You know, if it works and you're wearing it, you should feel the protection that you don't have to worry about whether or not whether I'm doing it or not. Let me, if I'm if I'm risking my own life, let me risk it. You know, and that's the whole point. I don't care if you wear a mask, if you don't wear a mask, if you're vaccinated, if you're not vaccinated. Just don't force it on me. That's I agree all. with you, but to an extent. But in our Outkick founder Clay Travis, we've had this discussion the other night on Hannity, and I think he's exactly right. We we do need to get to a point where we are shaming people who are wearing masks, and I'm not talking about the elderly or the immune compromised. They probably need to wear a mask if that makes them feel better. I understand it, but young, healthy people, um, besides the disease of liberalism that they have. I think we do, Clay is right, we do need to start shaming people that want to wear their masks because it's only a short jump until they start saying that we need to wear our masks now. So I think when you see people and they're wearing a mask, they, they need to feel looked at. And I don't, I don't feel bad for saying it because, you know, they, they looked at me when I would go into a store without a mask and I'm never going back there again. I will never make them make me feel weird for breathing air. So I think that there needs to be a healthy level of shame there. And you know what, it's funny you brought that up because that's what I was going to say. They started it. When you weren't wearing the mask, they started it. And I remember, again, back in New York, if I wanted to get groceries back during the COVID, I had to put one on. But mine said Trump on it because I knew people would be upset with that. So I would go in and I had some woman roll her eyes at me. Oh, and I said, what's the problem? I'm just trying to buy pork chops. Leave me alone. She goes, I don't like your mask. I said, well, I could, I could take it off. Then I started coughing and she flipped out. You know, <laughs> and I wasn't actually sick, but I did that just, you know, so I'm going to wear it. Wait, and then there was another one. Get upset. What do you think? This whole thing is a joke? I said, why? What, is, what does the mask say? And she, you know, just heard the name Trump coming out of her mouth. You could see the hole in the mask starting to burn and open. She was so upset. There was the venom. But I think you're right. They were, they were shaming us first. If you didn't wear a mask, you were killing someone's grandma. You were yeah. a terrorist. You were a super spreader. So, you know, if you don't want us to do it to you, don't do it to us, right? Do it, you know, yeah. do unto others, right? That's like the golden rule. They call it the golden rule. So you have... That aspect of it, which makes me kind of think, you know, I see somebody wearing a mask, maybe a little, maybe a little point in the laugh, a chuckle. What are you laughing at? You, because yeah. you're wearing a mask and it doesn't work. And the new study out of the NIH that the KN95s <laughs> and these cause cancer. So now my question is, you're trusting the science. The science says what you're wearing on your face causes cancer. Would you rather have COVID or cancer? We talk about this on my show all the time. I say, oh, well, you know, you could have long COVID. I said, well, what's worse, long COVID or long cancer? Long yes. cancer is very, very bad. Long COVID is probably, you know, you lost your sense of smell for a few days. And, and then the cloth masks, which is my favorite, you could buy these things for like 100 for $5 in Costco. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you mean to tell me that a piece of fabric that some dude probably used as his underwear can stop this really, really dangerous pandemic that most certainly came out of a lab and was bioengineered in China? You're telling me that a sock or a shirt or some dude's like old boxers that they just repurposed 
is stopping the pandemic. Okay, well, if that's the case, why are we still talking about it? You know, uh, the Billy Bean theory was if he's such a good hitter, how come he doesn't hit good? Well, if masks work and if lockdowns work and if vaccines work, then why haven't they stopped this virus yet? Why are we still hearing about it? Because it doesn't work. And it never was about stopping the virus anyway. It was about stopping us from exercising our freedom. It's always about control, conditioning, experiment. Uh, and I think a lot of people realize that now, just like you, like me, we're not going back to that. We're just not doing it. And I think if we stand firm together, it will never happen again. Um, actually, like a personal story, when I started to see this thing all change, I was in Vegas in October of 2021. Everybody, mask police. I mean, Vegas was super strict about the masks. So they actually were going to have me escorted out of the gym at the Luxor because I was not wearing a mask on the treadmill. I mean, they were going to bring security to come escort me out, right? This is October. I go back in December for the National Finals Rodeo. This town is filled with cowboys, right? They're not going to wear a mask. You're not going to tell them to wear a mask. You're not going to intimidate them to wear a mask. They don't care. Zero Fs given. And guess what? Did anybody enforce the masks? Nope. No. Because nobody was actually that tough to go and tell a six-foot-tall cowboy, hey, put on your mask. It just didn't work. And so that's when it all fell away. And then nobody just enforced it anymore. No one cared. So if we all stand together and we say we're not doing this again, we won't do this again. But that's why we need to shame the ones who want to do this again. They need to be shamed because they're weird. That's just, that's all <laughs> there is to it. They're definitely strange. I think they're definitely strange. I mean, if you're wearing it now with all we know about it, something's wrong with you, I think. Right. Uh, maybe, maybe very little, but you're not, you're not in the same world as me. You're not in the same world as the rest of us. We all know it doesn't work. It makes no difference. It doesn't work. You're wearing it now to virtue signal. It's the same people with the Twitter, you know, Ukraine flag in the bio. Oh, yeah. we stand with them because we don't like Russia. I said, really? You stand with Ukraine? How much money have you voluntarily given to Ukraine? Involuntarily, we know that's where the tax money is going. You don't stand with Ukraine. You're looking to score points. It's like the uh, Instagram, summer of 2020. I posted a black square. I'm ending racism. No, you're not. You're posting <laughs> yeah. something that nobody can form an opinion on on Instagram. You're not ending racism. And you know the NFL. The NFL used to put end racism. No, they still do. Oh, they just, they, they I thought they stopped do. it. No, 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 it is still there. It's on certain baseball fields as well. End racism is still stamped on there. Like I thought somehow I saw, that's going to do it. I thought I saw yesterday, literally a really brand new, that they're taking end racism out. Racism's over. It's done. And they're just putting play football on there. Wow. It's almost like that's what people want to watch when they watch football. Now, hopefully nice. they do that. Hopefully they do that. Certain, we'll certain stadiums still have end racism. I hope not. It's like someone saw, what I'm thinking is someone went to that stadium as a racist and right. they saw that sign and reformed. Of course. Just like that. That's it. They went, they went and watched a, uh, a New York Jets game because that's my favorite team, unfortunately. And you're not watching them play football, that's for sure. So you're probably learning virtue signaling uh, uh, and, and uh, social justice causes, because if you're watching the Jets, you're going to be more very, very unhappy. Uh, maybe not this year, but um, hopefully the NFL can focus on, and sports around the, around the country and the world can focus on the sport instead of the message, you know, the virtue signaling. That's not what we're there to watch. I wouldn't hold your breath on that one. But uh, speaking of racism, let's get into another topic. So in, uh, in Philly, right, they're there commissioning a Harriet Tubman statue, very worthy cause, right? Well, unfortunately, the original sculptor was white, and that just wasn't going to cut it. So <laughs> that sculptor got fired for being white, and they have to find now a person of color to make the Harriet Tubman statue. But my whole thing of it is, if it's like a white person cannot sculpt Harriet Tubman, then why can a man swim against women? I don't get, like, you cannot 
You cannot speak out of both sides of your mouth if that is going to be your narrative. But here we are. Yeah, here we are, right? So if we have a uh, statue of Thomas Jefferson, who, oh, goodness gracious, he was a slave owner. But he did write the Declaration of Independence, which Al Sharpton, MSNBC, could you imagine if Thomas Jefferson tried to overthrow the government? I'm like, hey, guy, I sit in front of this picture every day on my flag, and it's the Declaration of Independence. He kind of wrote a whole essay about doing that. Um, but... If you had, what if you had an African-American color, person of color, which is a stupid, stupid phrase. There is no difference between the term person of color and colored person. The only difference is the word of. And it's the same word, and you're doing the same thing that they used to do, by the way, Southern Democrats, when they brought that term out and started segregating these Southern states, Jim Crow laws, etc. But uh, does that mean that a, a person of color can't sculpt a white statue uh, because they're not the same race. I mean, where? how much further back do these people want to go? All the way? Do they want to go three quarters of the way? I mean, uh, do they want to go uh, back to the plantation and go back straight on to slavery? How, how far back are the Democrats going to push this? And then you mentioned Leah Thomas or, you, you know, the, the, the trans uh, issue with the swimmer, right? The man in the pool. And we've seen this in hockey, rugby. Uh, you know, the only, the only sport, if you want to call it that, that's taking a stand is chess, Believe it or not, the World Chess Federation said that women cannot compete against men playing chess. Now, I've never seen full contact chess. I don't know if that's an actual sport. I would imagine that'd be very dangerous. But we've seen the NHL get behind this trans hockey league. It happened. And a biological male, simple, very benign, a little hip check, sent a woman into the boards. She was out cold for about 30 minutes on the ice. 30 minutes concussion on the ice. That's a problem. Uh, so you you have to look at that issue, and especially how the the Democrats and the left is trying to weaponize the women's rights issue. They'll tell you all the time where abortion is a woman's right, and then you have a Supreme Court nominee who can't define what a woman is. So there you go, talking out of both sides of their mouth. It's 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 shameful. The chess thing really throws me off, though, because that's actually saying we don't think women are as smart as men. <laughs> so long live the patriarchy and Dylan Mulvaney, I right. guess. Uh, last thing I have to talk to you about is Trump 2024. Mm -hmm. I know you're all in. You're, you're full, full send. Totally. Trump 2024. Um, and I know that you recently got to do your Trump impression in front of Trump. Yeah. So you have to tell me what that was like. Well, that was, um, that was something. I mean, it was a situation where we're at the front of the room. Uh, the founder of the Patriot Freedom Project, president of the Patriot Freedom Project, is talking with Trump, and she just decided, hey, um, this you need to hear this young man say something to you. And I was like, well, this is it. you know. So the heart starts going, and it's, uh, it's do or die time, and I wasn't going to die, so we just decided, let's just, let's just do it. And um, everyone who comments on the videos, you looked so calm. I said, yeah, I almost had a Biden in front of the Pope moment. It was not a calm moment. Um, but it went very well. And, what uh, did you say to him? You I, spoke, you, when you introduced yourself, did you already were you already in your Trump? I went uh, full in character because he was already trying to get off the stage, and I don't want to take up the guy's time. It was later in the day. I said, "You did a fantastic job," and he laughed. And then I said to him, "I cracked the joke," and I said, "We're going to help you win in a landslide, uh, worse than Chris Christie after a night at Taco Bell." And he thought that was hilarious. I got a smile with teeth, and uh, we got a handshake. Got a little handshake. He looked at me, said, "You're very good." Twice. Um, and that was the moment, and then I walked off of the stage with a knot in my back that's still there a week and a half later. But it was a thrilling experience, and, uh, and I really feel for what this guy's going. I mean, I, I, I know that there are people across all over, you know, there are people supporting Vivek and Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump and, you know, Asa Hutchinson. I don't know if those people are real. Chris Christie, I don't know who they are either. But 
Um, you know, uh, what he's going through is terrible. And, you know, I, I think we have to understand, you mentioned coming together and denouncing the mask. I think everyone should be coming together. You don't have to support Donald Trump for president. That's fine. But let's denounce the weaponization of government because right. if you don't, whether it's a January 6th thing or it's uh, questioning the results of an election or it's what Alvin Bragg is trying to do in between, you know, boxes of Twinkies, he decides to indict Donald Trump. It's, it's going to come for all of us. It's going to wind up on all of our doorsteps if we don't stand firm and say, this weaponization of government, whether you like the man or you support his candidacy or not, is not appropriate. We can't let it continue because if we let it continue, I mean, what, is, what did the left say in the summer of 2020 about racism? Silence is consent, right? That's right. why they forced everybody to post the black square. Literally now, if we're silent about this, we are giving the government who governs with the consent of the governor, or they should, the permission to do this with anything going forward. I talk about crypto a lot. And I said, you know, the central bank digital currencies, when those roll out, because those are coming whether we like it or not, they're at mm -hmm. least going to try, right? You don't think you're going to be labeled a financial terrorist if you bought Dogecoin or Bitcoin or one of these cryptos? You're done. They're going to come for you. The armed IRS agent will be at your door. And at that point, it's too late. So whether you support Trump or you support anybody else in the primary, and that's your right. I'm not here to tell you to do one thing or the other. But we have to put an end to the weaponization of government because if we don't, it's going to come for you. And by the time it's, when, it, when it reaches your doorstep, you're going to be wishing two or three years ago, you know, when you're watching mm -hmm. Tommy Loren and it was an amazing, you know, show. And the guy sounded like Trump, but it was great that we would have listened to that discussion and stopped the weaponization of government, condemned so it together. So here's my question for you, because I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I think that that has to be the stance of every Republican candidate, should be the stance of every candidate and every American in general, whether they love Trump or they hate Trump. But I have to ask you this. I believe we need to end it as well. That is why I'm concerned that if Trump is our nominee and he loses, or even if he wins, I'm not sure that that ends the weaponization. I'm not. I'm thinking that actually might it might further, because I don't think they're ever going to stop going after Trump. So that's why, for me, it's like, okay, so if we fight for Trump in his legal battles, but we nominate somebody who can win, like Ron DeSantis, who has a proven track record of getting rid of activist DAs and draining the swamp, at least in Florida, then do we are we setting ourselves up on a better path to actually eliminate the weaponization of government if we get somebody in the White House who can win, who can get rid of the swamp? Is that a better route than just putting all of our eggs in the Trump basket and then waiting for them to lock him up? I mean, I'm, that's what I'm very concerned about. I don't know how if you don't win or if you do win and your president is constantly being impeached or investigated, I don't know how we end it. Well, there, there is some cool news on the horizon with regards to where, the, where conservative activists are going. And I've been a part of activist groups from Long Island and we're involved with some of the folks here in Tennessee. Um, you know, I just watched here recently in Williamson County, grassroots, grassroots uh, Republicans swept and cleaned house of the Republican Party in Williamson County. We were there at the reorganization that night, and 70-30? I mean, it was like a Cuban election. We're talking about, I mean, yeah. huge landslide. So there are a lot of conservative groups across the country right now who are compiling rosters of grassroots activists and people, their neighbors, their friends, who will be applying for government positions. And so it's not just about, you know, if, if there's a Republican president. And I will say this, I like Trump. I, I want him to be the nominee. He's, he's my first choice. Um, but he made mistakes. And I'm not afraid to say he made mistakes. Fauci, way too much trust. Bill Barr was a mess. 
uh, Rex Tillerson, right? I mean, I can go on. There the list are, is pretty long. There are, there, are, there are mistakes that he's made. There are, absolutely. But I think he's the only person right now in the race that has the ability, because the ability to stand up to what's been thrown at him. Nobody else has been tested like he has. There are a lot of, a lot of people who, if, if at this point in, in this saga with him, former president, four indictments, 91, 91 counts, right, uh, that would say, I'm done. He's the only person that I think won't say I'm done. And I like Ron DeSantis as a governor of Florida. My wife's from Florida. I came down there uh, back in the uh, winter of 2022 when I was first seeing her, and it was great. Freedom. Walked out. Mask came off, right? It was, uh, it was a lot easier to, to travel. And he's done a fantastic job as the governor of Florida, um, especially getting rid of Soros attorneys. Mm -hmm. Great thing. These are all great things. I don't know if he has the wherewithal to stand up to everything that has been thrown at Trump because it will be thrown at him. He's tasted it, right? They called him Death Santis to Satan. Do you, do you think, though, that there, in some regard, Trump has a little bit, he gives him a little more ammunition? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Trump, Trump has given him a lot of ammunition. He and does. You, and you, and it's, not, it's not entirely his fault, obviously, but I don't think we're going to be in a position where it's going to be a discussion of Ron DeSantis possibly paying off a porn star and that being a problem. No, <laughs> you know what I, I, mean? I don't think we'll be in that, but I think... He doesn't, DeSantis never even had to give them ammunition. They said that his bill in Florida, the Parental right. Rights and Education Act, was a don't say gay bill. But did he back down from that? No, he didn't. He didn't. Did he back down from Disney? But people did still- Did he back down from COVID? People still think that the bill says right, don't say gay. Right, but that's a lie. But when we're talking about standing up for yourself, I agree, Donald Trump has always stood up for himself, but Ron DeSantis has not folded. Not on one thing. Not on one thing. Even when they were trying to come after him after the getting rid of the CRT and the way that that thing was worded about slavery and benefits, whatever, he still did not fold. He still said, this is what it means. I'm not changing it. So for me, when you look at someone with steadfast resolve, you also have that in a Ron DeSantis. You do. And I believe that Ron DeSantis winning Florida by nearly 20 points, including Miami-Dade, that makes me feel better about winning Georgia, Nevada, Arizona, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. If we don't win those states... We cannot win. Correct. So I'm very concerned that Trump can, this time, win those states. That doesn't concern you at all. Of course I'm concerned about it. I'm concerned about it. And I, and I look at a lot of polling, and I look at the race. And again, I like DeSantis. I think he's been a fantastic governor of Florida. Um, but I think, it's, I think it's odd, though, um, that in his own home state, I mean, he's not leading in any states in polling. People you talk to. And I, look, polls are flawed. There are plenty of polls that are flawed. I'm not saying that polling is generally accurate, but I get a sentiment from a lot of Floridians that they voted for him to run for governor and serve a term as governor, and now he's not doing that, and they kind of feel a little... He's not doing that. Do well, you, he's not, have you if seen he, the man? He's been in he, Florida leading a, a fantastic he, hurricane effort. But if he runs for president and he wins, he's not the governor of Florida. They wanted four more years of him. A lot of, I, I mean, there's a reason why he's not leading in the polls in Florida. I, I, don't, I can't put a, put a, 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 get my, my finger on the pulse of why that is, but... He's done a great job in Florida. Why isn't he leading in his home state? Well, do you think there's some regard of, of people that are ultra hardcore mega supporters who look at him as a traitor and for that reason and that reason alone, they're not going to support him? Who, who's a traitor? They, they look at Ron DeSantis like a traitor for running against Trump. You there, know, there's, there, a, there's a sentiment there. There is. And that's why I believe that he's having a hard time just in general is because out the gate, Trump labeled him a traitor. And it labeled him like the anti-mega, which he's not. He's not a never-Trumper. He is not a Chris Christie. But that is what he has had to battle 
since before he even announced. So to me, if it, all things were equal and Trump treated DeSantis like he treats Vivek, I think you'd see a much different situation in the polls. It might be different, but again, I mean, DeSantis's favorability rating over the course of a year, I mean, has gone in the wrong direction. And that's due in large part to the media, not just Donald Trump. Trump has been hammering him since November. And by the way, when he did it two days before the midterm, I said, what, what are you doing? That's not appropriate. Um, I don't think he's helped himself, Ron DeSantis, in this case either. I think if if he had appeared to be a little more genuine. I miss, you know what I miss? I miss the guy who had a press conference in Brandon, Florida, two days after Let's Go Brandon went, went viral. That's what I miss. You know what I miss? I miss him breaking the media's chops over Don't Say Gay, where he stood there at, at the podium and he said, it, like you say, he didn't back down. It doesn't say that in the bill. It doesn't say that in the bill. You are wrong. I miss the guy who stood at a Moms for Liberty conference or in front of a Moms for Liberty banner and said, children putting money into the... Uh, whatever a drag queen is wearing is wrong and it will not be permitted here. I miss the guy who talked about his bill. You see in Nevada, the tribal rangers that, that mm-hmm. just pl- plowed through. That's, you're allowed to do that in Florida. He signed that bill. I miss that guy. Where did he go? That's what I want to know. Where did he go? Where did, where did that genuine guy go? That's the guy that I saw come up to New York last year in October mm-hmm. and campaigned for Lee Zeldin. Yep. Why? Is he going down this road of Axiom consultants with never back down? Why is, and that's a firm right there, if you want to know, they back establishment people. I'm not saying DeSantis is a part of that, but I mean, McCormick and PA, that was an Axiom job, a lot of them, right? Why is he, with the canned responses, you see the the leaks out that came from Axiom and never back down? You know, hammer Vivek and all this stuff. is Just be yourself. Well, I think that there is something to that, and I think that he is starting to reignite that in him just being himself. I think that there is a problem with having too many people telling you what to do. Absolutely. And I think that if he can get around that, I think he's going to do well. But, you know, I appreciate the conversation. I appreciate having these discussions amongst conservatives. I think yeah. we need to have them without just labeling people one way or the other. For sure. So I appreciate you. We're so happy to have you in Nashville. What a fantastic decision you made to move to a great red state. And uh, we'll keep making it red and more red and as red as it can get. Thanks Sounds so much, Sean, for visiting me today. All right, I've gone through a litany of losers this week, and honestly, the bench is even deeper than that. But instead of highlighting more Nimrods, I'd like to shine a light on the winner of the week, a leader, a doer, America's governor. Sean's not going to like this, but it's time for final thoughts. So hurricanes are nothing new to Florida residents, and since Ron DeSantis became governor, true leadership has been a steady constant as well. His ability to plan, execute, and lead during times of disaster is unmatched. Whether it be a hurricane or COVID tyranny or just day-to-day tasks, he shows up, he does the job, he makes it about the people and not himself. How refreshing. And as much as the mainstream networks wish they could say otherwise, and as much as they likely hated to feature his leadership this week in the face of Hurricane Adalia, even they couldn't find a way to make the governor look bad. He gave them no room to do that, not an inch. We're now up to 1.1 million gallons of fuel that is on standby to be able to mitigate any fuel interruptions. And sometimes you have it, sometimes you don't. We'd rather be safe than sorry, so that fuel is there and that can be deployed as needed. There are reports of people trying to loot uh, down in Steenhatchee. And I've told all of our personnel at the state level, you know, you you protect people's property and and we are not gonna tolerate any looting in the aftermath of a natural disaster. I'd also just remind potential looters 
that people, you never know what you're walking into. People have a right to defend their property. We've also worked with the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association to make sure that all hotels will allow you to bring your pets. Don't leave your pets behind. You got to take them with them, take them with you. And these hotels are going to be understanding of that. And that's what leading from the front looks like. And in times of crisis, whether Trump supporters and leftists want to admit it or not, Ron DeSantis is second to none. And that's also why I'm really sick and tired of those on the left and the right unfairly coming after this man and his family. You don't have to like him or vote for him. If your guy is still Trump or if your guy is Sleepy Creepy Joe or even Greasy Gavin Newsom, that's fine, whatever. But to make DeSantis out to be some villain or some inept leader is not only BS, but it's a lie. He might not be charismatic or the life of the party, but when push comes to shove, he gets the job done. Make America Florida. Those are my final thoughts. Be sure to like and subscribe to Outkick on YouTube. From Nashville, God bless and take care.